This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash view. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Enjoy the View. I'm Chris Fritz, and today on our panel, we have Tessa. Hello. And Ben Hong. Hello. And today we're talking about ViewPress. So, Ben, you've done a lot of work on ViewPress, so you'll probably be answering most of the questions here. <laughs> and you are on the ViewPress core team, right? That is correct. Cool. So first, like, what? That's it. That's my question. What is ViewPress? I second that question. You second that question. Yeah, so my first exposure to ViewPress really is at its bare essence, it's another static site generator. What makes it a little bit different though is that it's focused on a Markdown written experience in that once you install it and get it set up, you just write Markdown and then it automatically generates a site with basically an opinionated sort of default theme that is focused on documentation. So to clarify, a static site is when you just get the complete like built HTML and CSS sent to your browser? Yeah. So rather than your typical like Vue.js app where it's just a single index.html file and then the JavaScript loads everything, it actually generates individual files and then deploys them on the server. And then it kind of goes from there. So when do I need ViewPress? Like when would I use it? Yeah. So I would recommend ViewPress for people when they want to set up a documentation site for their project. Um, they want to focus on writing content rather than having to think about all the user experience that goes into what makes a good documentation site easy for people to navigate and to make it functional. Is there some kind of like enterprise boilerplate where someone could see an example of like an integration with ViewPress into a project? You know, not not to my knowledge. I don't I don't know if there's anyone with an enterprise boilerplate in the community. Oh, you're such a troll. <laughs> if you check out View Enterprise Boilerplate. <laughs> Uh, which which I created. Uh, you can see a, a possible integration of ViewPress, and yeah, just yeah. for the for the docs because that that project has a lot of docs, and I believe in even for like not libraries, even just for web applications that a team is in charge of. I strongly believe in having really great documentation, which helps with onboarding and other stuff. And ViewPress makes viewing that documentation really nice. Yes. And to clarify, the nice thing about ViewPress is that it lives like it lives in the same repository as your code. So one of the biggest complaints about most projects that have docs is that they usually live on an external site, whether it's Confluence or some other site. So now you have this additional friction when it comes to your coders maintaining the code base, and then theoretically they need to go to this other site to then like update the docs. But ViewPress, because the package and dependencies are separate from your core code base for your application. This allows you to then like basically commit code, but then also inside of the same repo that you're already working on, then submit those stock changes and it goes together. But then your application can deploy however it wants, but then the ViewPress uh, directory normally will be like docs, for example, and you can just deploy that directory separately to wherever your docs uh, live on your site. Yeah, my experience with like documentation that's separate from the project repository is that that documentation is just never looked at and never updated. <laughs> Yes, seconded. And having it actually in the, rep in the same repo as your source code makes it so that it's much easier to enforce that like when you're developing a new part of your application or a new feature, 
it's it's obvious when there's no documentation for it because there's just no .md file in the diff. So that makes it it really easy to see if there's there's new documentation or changes to to existing documentation. Yeah, definitely so, one of those. Uh, yeah, definitely yeah, one of the ahead. features that a lot of people don't realize that's a huge benefit for projects is to have your docs living with your code. And so how did how did you press start? Like, what are its origins? Yeah, I'm actually going to... I'll give what I perceived as its origins, but maybe you, you might, you sure might have a little bit more insight. But from what I understand, Evan was playing around with this idea of a static site generator just to help with managing doc stuff. And basically, it was just like this, this brainchild that he built basically over the weekend and then just sort of released out there. There was never... He never really thought it would catch on with the popularity that it ended up having. Because for those who haven't maybe not realized it, ViewPress comes with a lot of opinions on things for your documentation site. So for example, it's very easy to have last updated like timestamps on individual documents. You can see without any maintenance on the developer side, you know, when a document was last updated. As long as you provide it a repo, it will make it easy for users to say, if you click edit this link to actually submit pull requests to the specific page. And there's some other ones too, but it's things like that that um, really make it a good starting point for people getting started with docs. But yeah, Chris, I'd be curious. Do you know any additional sort of background as to how ViewPress really got started? That's that's basically the story that that I know as well. I always thought it involved like a dark alley and some mugging and pearls just scattering. And <laughs> yeah, that, that that might be in the lore somewhere. But as far as I'm aware, <laughs> no, that, that that was view that was view router actually um, that you're thinking of. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, Chris, I know when, you, when the docs were originally started, you, you all actually start in Hexo because that's the current platform that generates the current Vue.js.org docs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so the, there's like the core documentation at Vue.js.org and there's the subdomains for specific projects. And I think all of the subdomains right now use ViewPress and eventually the, the core documentation, at least uh, to, to my knowledge, is still planned to eventually move over to ViewPress. That is correct. Sorry, what's Hexo? I saw it for the first time last week and I didn't know what it was. So Hexo is a, another static site generator. Yeah. Yeah, it was fairly popular back in the day for being fairly easy to plug and play. And it was like sort of, I would say one of the first ones that really got popular, I think in the JavaScript ecosystem specifically. I know I was using it for a little while to power a personal blog. But since then, like, you know, given that and we uh, have basically chosen our frameworks as far as learning to develop things. I think people have gotten the desire to use their frameworks to power their own static site generation. So I think that's why things like Gridsum, Nuxt, and ViewPress have sort of come on the scene and have been the popularity that they have. Yeah, and, and a few advantages that ViewPress has is while Hexo is a, a more generic static site generator, ViewPress is built specifically for documentation. And also, it's built in a way so that it's it's a lot easier to like embed view components in your markdown. Chris, you gave it away. That's like the secret sauce. Oh, that's, the, that's the cool thing. I mean, we're talking about ViewPress. We've got to talk about the cool things in ViewPress. But you wanted to be the one to, to say it? It's fine. Steal my thunder like you do. Steal my picks. Okay. So ViewPress kind of has has evolved a lot since since Evan initially wrote like the beginnings of it. And a lot of other people have, have contributed to it. Yourself, Ulives, I know, has, has done a lot of work on it. And so where is it, where is it going now? Like, what's the future of ViewPress hold? 
Yeah. So I think to talk a little bit about the future, we have to talk a bit about some of like the transition period that you're talking about. Because for those you know who have followed the ViewPress project, Ulives is one of the core contributors to really making ViewPress like sort of taking it to that next step. And at one point, they they opened up, and you might have noticed that they there was a sort of a call for um, people interested in becoming core team members. And so that's really where the the ViewPress core team started was the sort of open call. And since then, one of the things that's been a bit challenging uh, is that with open source, when you have people uh, coming on to volunteer on a project, there's a lot of coordinate coordination that's actually required. Unbeknownst, you know, a lot of times you think like, oh, you just get a bunch of developers to sort of swarm on something, and it'll be great. But open source is uh, particularly tricky, and sort of the more cooks you have in the kitchen, the harder it can be sometimes to to manage those coordinations. So one of the things we're trying to do going forward is to provide better guidelines going forward as far as you know the sort of things we're trying to do as far as organizing the direction of ViewPress. To to Chris's point. One of the things that makes ViewPress different is its emphasis on documentation. And while there have been some requests for like, you know, making it blog friendly, you know, I personally actually ran my site on like a ViewPress blog instance for quite some time. It has sort of detracted a little bit away from really its core competency, which is developing great documentation. So I think as far as going forward in the future, we are looking at ways to further enhance that and provide those opinionated structures so that other people don't have to worry about it. Whether it's automatically including a dark mode so that people can have documentation that has a default light and dark theme. And for example, one feature I'll be working on, which hopefully will be released by the time this episode even comes out, is that ViewPress actually has lacked a scaffolding functionality for some time. So you'd have to manually create everything. But hopefully by the time you listen to this, you'll be able to just do like ViewPress create like docs and then inside a project, it'll create your docs folder with basically a scaffold for your sort of doc site with some default configurations that should make it easier for you to modify and just sort of get started. So those are definitely some things to be looking forward to. So I have a couple of questions there. With regard to the scaffolding, I recall last week we were talking about file structure and Chris was advocating for having like this flat structure. So I was wondering how that works with like the scaffolding and the ViewPress structure. And then my other question is a couple episodes ago, I think Evan was talking about something called FeetPress. And I was wondering where that comes into play with regards to the future of ViewPress. That's a great question. So I'll address the first one regarding sort of component uh, structure. So to clarify, one thing that Chris mentioned earlier is that, you know, it's one thing to be able to edit things in Markdown. A lot of places actually allow you to do that already. But ViewPress allows you to actually embed view components inside of your actual Markdown. So in the instance, so you'd actually have like a live view instance. So whether it's like a counter app where you can click on it, it'll dynamically update. Like You can do that and drop that inside your markdown, which is pretty incredible. But what this means though is that when it comes to organizing your ViewPress projects, ViewPress basically inside of in the docs directory, which we'll assume is like contains your ViewPress site, there's a .ViewPress folder in there. And inside of the .ViewPress, you can register basically global components that can be imported into your actual markdown files. And then there are view components that live to exist more for theming purposes. So whether you want to create custom layouts and those sort of things, that will then live in a separate themes folder. And so we're looking to definitely... I know the documentation on theming is a little sparse. So we're hoping to extend that better so that people uh, can take the default theme and then build on top of that to either sort of own that visual brand and to sort of take it to the next level for their own project. So if I'm understanding correctly, it sounds like in order to take advantage of ViewPress, 
like it's expecting a very specific type of file structure within the project. Correct. It will basically allow you to sort of like inspiration from Nux, you create your markdown files in a way that you would expect the site structure to be. So you don't have to like customize a view router. You just literally, if it's at the root, it's like an index.md. If you want an about page, it'll be like slash about folder. And inside the slash about folder, you'll have your index.md. So it, in that regard, it takes inspiration from Nux so that you don't have to think of... like You can just think of how you want your pages to be structured. And then when it comes to like rendering layout, those are usually configured via like the front matter piece. So inside of a Markdown file, for those that haven't used front matter, it's where you can see that triple dash. And then it has like metadata at the top. So you can like triple dash and you'll say like layout is you know, like normal or it's blog. So that would be, well, that's what's considered front matter. But yeah, it's a front matter you can use to customizing and provide metadata for individual pages, which is pretty nice. And the other thing, um, before I get to your other question, which I totally forgot to mention, which Bupress is great at, is that it actually provides you searching right out of the box, like for, for free. And what, it, what I mean by that is that there's a search bar where as long as you type something in, Bupress will, upon when it builds your site, will generate basically a list of all your heading ones, heading twos, and heading threes, I believe. And then based on what's in there, it will basically create like a searchable list. So when you search for something, you can click on it, it'll jump you to the right link. And that's pretty, like that was pretty mind blowing for me. I think the first time I saw it, because again, I know for developers, like, oh, that's not that hard to, but like, again, the fact that you don't have to think about that and it's just done for you. And that this is just like, it's very low level, right? Because it's not scraping text the way that you might expect Algolia to do. And so for those who haven't heard, Algolia is basically like sort of a, service that helps you provide a search bar that scrapes your site and makes it easier for people to search for things specifically. So Algolia integration is very easy too. It's just a one line like drop in your Algolia key to your ViewPress site and then it just like integrates properly. But yeah, if you're not open source or you don't want to use Algolia yet, it does have a bare minimum search feature that comes right out of the box, which is pretty nice. And as far as your last question regarding ViewPress, you're absolutely right. Evan had mentioned that it's sort of like, it's a little bit like ViewPress 2.0. But I know that at least currently in conversation, it does seem like the direction of VPress is still yet to truly be decided. And so because VPress is actually used by a lot of different projects, and to clarify, it's used by not just Vue projects. There are actually, I think there's a couple of React libraries that use VPress. And so because of that, like I think the goal is still to just move, move forward with VPress and creating features for that. And in the event that VPress has like a significant gains or it does make sense to move, we'll do our best to certainly consider a good migration path for how that would work. Hopefully, ideally, it shouldn't be much of a change for everyone so they can take advantage of those uh, build times. But as of right now, I don't, there's no initial plans to like scrap ViewPress for ViewPress right now. They, as of right now, they will probably live um, side by side. So going back to what you were talking about earlier with regards to the next inspiration for having like a predetermined file structure for your project, if I wanted to integrate ViewPress into a React project or a an Angular project, do I need to worry about having a certain file structure or will I be able to take advantage of that smart feature of ViewPress? Yeah, that's a great question. So the nice thing about the sort of the opinionated file structure as far as building out what page structure it will be, it is scoped directly to whatever directory that you plan on using ViewPress from. So typically, this would be the docs folder because most frameworks don't come with the docs folder built automatically. So once you enter the docs folder, that's when you will now feel that imposition as far as like how things should be structured as far as like expecting you to lay out your readme files in a way you expect them to be deployed 
So, you know, again, if you want a contact page, it'll be like, you know, contact.md. But if you want like, you know, a learn slash guide, there'll be a learn folder with like a guide.md. And so that opinion will only be scoped to the VPress project. So it will not affect any of your other source code or how you're, you're like, however you architect and organize your code otherwise. I see, I see. Now, going back to this idea of being able to include snippets from the code base in ViewPress, I feel like there's some potential there for overlap with um, something like Storybook. So I was wondering, how do you divide the responsibilities between like two tools like that? Yeah, that is a great question. I've Most never of, used it, so you could say anything and I'll believe you. Yeah, so in terms of the difference between Storybook and ViewPress, typically, you know, Storybook, I know that in most contexts is compared to View Style Guide Dist. But the way I would think of it is Storybook is good at like letting you see your sort of design system and components in like an interactive way so you can play with the different pieces of it. But ViewPress really is more about, at least I've often seen it used on like a user-facing side where you need to explain maybe different concepts of how things work rather than like sort of documentation that you would use within the team to document like all your components and how they're supposed to be used. In those regards, there are things like view style guide disk may be a better fit just because they're sort of catered towards that idea of like, as long as you write your documentation within your components, and then it will generate the site to like show you how it works and so you can play with the components. In that regard, I think ViewPress has yet to be as opinionated on that front for providing a solution for that and more for just about writing and explaining things conceptually and those sort of things. Does that help to answer your question? Yeah, I have to admit that this whole time I thought the type of documentation we were talking about was uh, like the documentation of the component API. So now I'm wondering more of like what type of content will go inside the ViewPress docs for your app. (laughs) Yeah, that's really funny. I think when Chris and I were talking about putting components inside of your markdown, actually, you're not the first one to think of your actual literal components, right? Like you're using inside your source directory. It was more so from like, you can inject view components to like introduce interactivity inside of your documentation. Uh, So that is an excellent point that I think is worth clarifying to people in the future. But yeah, so this is more for like, in this regard, ViewPress is not opinionated in the sense that like, it's just there for you to write and explain things for your application. So I've seen, I believe, I believe it's, I don't, I'd say projects like Storybook and View Style Guidist are more opinionated in the sense that they want to do component documentation specifically rather than ViewPress, which is just like a home for just like the overall documentation for your project, no matter what part of your application or library that it's trying to document. Does that make sense? Is it like Style Guidist and Storybook are more like here's how you use these specific components. And then ViewPress is like, here's how you deploy the app. Here's how you run the app, et cetera. Yeah, like some things that I like to put in a lot of my application documentation is the technologies that we're using that people should be familiar with, which is really great for onboarding. An overview of the architecture of the application as a whole, including like more detailed information on how like state is managed on how the routing is managed, you know, in special patterns that we use from specific libraries that we can link to, or patterns that we've invented ourselves because we found that that works really well for our application. I see. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think right now on my current team, we're using Notion for that, but it would be much more convenient to have it just directly in the project. But then maybe this is a naive question, but one thing I wonder is uh, when we deploy the app for production, 
does the view press stuff get taken out? Does that affect our users somehow? Where does that code go? It's it's basically the same thing as just like your your package.json. You know, like your your package.json isn't deployed to your users. It's just something that you use in development. I see, I see. Brilliant. So is there anything else like in the future of ViewPress that you're thinking of, Ben, that maybe or someone else is thinking of that like may or may not even make it into ViewPress, but it's like a twinkle in someone's eye and they're thinking like, oh man, that'd be really cool. What if we did that? And, you know, we're not even sure if it's possible yet, but... Gosh, as far as like glass breaking, ceiling kind of things, I haven't thought nothing to that level, but I know... For me personally, one of the things I think a lot of more people can use is when it comes to libraries and things where they're especially especially because ViewPress often is user facing, so it's not for necessarily just like developers. I think providing even maybe even some opinions or guidance around content structure, things that often like you were mentioning, right? There are certain aspects about when you're documenting your application that it would be nice to provide users like sort of these common questions that people should be answering, and so sometimes providing that providing some level of guidance on that regard could be helpful to people so that it's sort of like having those built-in features, right? Like most of the time, you might not even realize that you need less updated, you might not need links to be able to easily let people contribute. So if we could give them more of a boilerplate as far as like, here's your standard you know, setup page where you include like technologies and you include the commands, um, that could be probably really helpful for people who are, want to be more focused on writing code and who maybe aren't as proficient at sort of this onboarding education piece that documentation often requires to do well. Cool. And I have two final questions. The first, does ViewPress use ViewPress for its docs? Why, yes, it does. <laughs> oh, beautiful. That'd be, I, I, I was ready to really nail you there if it used Hexo or something <laughs> like that. No, we dock with our own, our own software. Nice. And then if people want to learn more about ViewPress, are there any like good talks or like, should they just go ahead and read the documentation or like, what, where, where do people start? Yeah. So you can go to viewpress.vuejs.org. That certainly is a good place to start. Ironically, there are things we can do to improve the documentation, but I guess that can be said of all documentation. So, but if people do have questions, I think I've given a, a couple of talks on ViewPress as well. And I think by the time this gets released, you can check out this.labs for my latest ViewPress talk. So you can check that out and you can always reach out to me at BenCodeZen and I'm happy to answer questions uh, regarding ViewPress. And if people Google like just Ben Hong ViewPress too, they'll probably find a bunch of stuff. I can't say I've ever tried that actually. You've never Googled yourself? Not with the ViewPress context specifically. (laughs) Got it. Okay. And that's it. So should we move on to picks? Sounds great. Tessa, would you like to start? So today I'd like to recommend this YouTube channel called Jarvis Johnson. It's like a variety comedy channel. I first found it when he was doing the series debunking like five minute crafts and videos like that. And he's uh, very funny. He used to be an IC engineer and now he is an engineering manager. So if you're into coding or you're into humor, it's a cool channel to check out. I hate humor. Is that your only pick? Yes, unfortunately for you. Okay. Sorry. Well, I'll go next. My first pick is Stardew Valley Co-op. Ben and I just did our first session of Stardew Valley. We started a new farm together. It's a big step in our relationship. We've, we've grown some turnips. 
which is a beautiful harvest. We, we just picked them. And we're growing some cauliflowers too. They're still, they're still working though. They take a little bit longer to grow, but I have good thoughts on them. I, we, did have, we did have a crow steal three of our turnips as they were growing. And three? one of oh. our cauliflowers. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's disgusting. You didn't see it? I missed it. Yeah, I, I think until we get a scarecrow, we've got to have one of us to standing guard. I'm pretty sure it comes when crops. we're sleeping. I don't know what to Chris. do. I'm pretty sure it comes when we're sleeping. I don't know, but yeah, I'm, I'm not happy about that. We'll we'll have to build a scarecrow soon. Hopefully, we get that unlocked. Yeah, I figure out how to do that. You're playing games like this was legal. Hmm. I thought you weren't allowed to play games like this. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm only doing it with Ben. I'm only doing it with Ben. I'm telling episode one, Chris. It's like, it's like, sure, I, I, yeah, I'm an alcoholic, but like, I, I'm, I'm a social drinker. I just drink socially. <laughs> yeah, it's a slippery slope. Hopefully, I can, I can keep to it and don't have to abandon Ben on the farm. One can hope. And my second pick is if you ever, if you ever had a long day and you don't even have the brain power anymore for just like vegging out in TV, like normal, like junk TV. You can watch these fireplace movies on Netflix. Like if you search for fireplace on Netflix, you'll see a bunch of different fireplace, again, videos, I guess, where it's just a fireplace, like crackling. And I definitely recommend the Birchwood edition. That's my personal favorite. And so that's, that's a great option when you just want to go because you have absolutely no brain power left and you just want to stare at the fire ask you every 20 minutes if you're still watching. Like, are you still cold? I don't think so. And they will not warm you up unless your TV happens to get pretty hot. All right, Ben, what about your picks? All right. Yeah, I have two picks for you all this week. So my first one is a podcast with famous Asian-American chef uh, called Dave Chang. You might know him from things like Ugly Delicious. Um, he's also on a bunch of other cooking shows. Oh, so- I love Dave Chang. He's like one of my favorite cooking show hosts. Yeah, he's he's so good. He's probably actually my favorite. You mean you, Tessa? You've um, got nothing on Dave Chang. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, given some of the social tensions that have been uh, happening here in the United States, they actually so he has a cooking podcast where he talk about like or not even just cooking, he's talk about like food in general. But he has an episode called "How Asian Americans Can Better Support Black Lives Matter," and so I've personally, as um, first generation Asian American, it was particularly just thought provoking. And just to think about some of the challenges that we've had as minorities and along with like what it means as far as like cross-generational values and those things, as you know, people have these difficult conversations about you know, systemic inequality and these sort of things. So if you're at all interested in that, it's a really great take. It's just Dave Chang with a couple of his producers and they kind of take like different points of view on how they're getting involved and how they're helping out. So definitely worth listening to. And then for my fun pick of this week, in case you know, you're ever looking for just some inspiration and just like a feel-good kind of movie musical, I recently started listening to The Greatest Showman soundtrack again and actually uh, watched it again. And I just, that one I always find is sort of really inspiring and just is sort of, you know, just a reminder of the sort of like the, the goodness in humanity and just, you know, just a lot of feel-good vibes. So those are my I picks for this week. Personally, find the music a lot better than the movie. <laughs> the movie was kind of, wow. That's what I've heard. I'd rather watch a fireplace. Well, you can watch the fireplace while listening to the soundtrack. That's true. But I also sometimes just want to do nothing and blah, just watch the fire. 
It's not as it's not as satisfying as watching a real fire, though. I think like there's are, something are the missing. Woods falling to pieces. Do you actually see like the wood burning? And like, hey, hey that, that'd be a spoiler. <laughs> spoiler! Alert. I can't tell you. <laughs> right, I guess I'm gonna have to go watch the latest edition, Birchwood edition. Okay, and that's it for today's episode of Enjoy the View. Until next time, enjoy the view. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. With 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia, enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage option, and their next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a price that you don't. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com view.